So this morning we are going to talk about the two great doctrines of the Bible. And it's very fitting that we are going to talk about these today because as I mentioned to the children, you know, on Tuesday is Reformation Day where we celebrate. So just a Martin Luther in a nutshell, if you don't know much about him, is 506 years ago now, on, in the year 1517, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on the castle church in Wittenberg. And this act marked the beginning of the Reformation. Because remember, before that, there was just the one church, the one universal church. The church doors were where everybody posted anything. So it wasn't, we've made it into a big thing, you know, but it wasn't that big of a deal. It was kind of like the city, the town bulletin board is people who post things. So that's what Luther did. He posted the problems he had with what was going on in the church. And what was going on in the church at that time is they were selling something called indulgences to people. So all these poor Germans were giving money to buy these indulgences because it got their loved ones out of purgatory quicker. And then they took all that money, you know, to build a very, very large church. Not a bad fundraising plan, right? Well, it's not biblical. And so that's what started the Reformation. Luther realized that things weren't right. And so Luther became a monk because he was concerned for his own soul. See, back in those days, the church was all about what you do and don't do. It was all about the law. And so he became a monk because you live that godly lifestyle, so to speak, day in, day out. And they were worried because of their relationship with God. They didn't think they could get right with God unless they did this, 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 and this. And so a lot of the people in those times were so beaten down by their sins because they didn't think there was any way God could forgive them for what, what they had done. They never heard the gospel, which sounds kind of sad. By the way, the two great doctrines of the Bible are law and gospel. We're going to talk about those some more here in a second. And so Luther felt trapped and doomed. He couldn't see how God could forgive him. He tried following the law to the T, but he got so mad at himself, he would even whip himself because he was so disgusted with himself that he couldn't do enough to please God. And by the way, some of you have seen this in my office. This is uh, a head, the head of uh, Martin Luther. And just a little story about this. This, uh, my dad actually gave this to my uncle, who's also an LCMS pastor, at his ordination. And when I was ordained here in this gym three years ago, my uncle re-gifted it back to me. So it's kind of made it full circle. So this is Martin Luther. He's in my office. If you want to come check him out, he's always wearing a cheese head in my office. I didn't bring that out here. But that's Luther. So what happened is one of, Luther had a friend that kind of took him under his wings. And when Luther became a professor in Wittenberg in Germany, he started really studying the scriptures and discovered the gospel. Because they were not hearing it at that time. And that salvation was totally reliant on not what we do, 
but on what Jesus did for us. And so that's Luther in a nutshell. And this leads us to the two great doctrines of the Bible, law and gospel. And we're going to take a look in the Matthew 22 here in a little bit to get some more about this. But what is exactly the law and the gospel? The first thing on the screen, God's law tells us what he expects of us and what he expects us to do. So just look at the Ten Commandments. That is God's law. That's what he expects of us. On the other hand, the gospel tells us that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin with his death on the cross. So just think about it when you think about the law. We can look at those Ten Commandments, right, and see where we fall short. Just take a simple law, like the speed limit. 65, who here drives 65 on the highway? Who sets it at 71 if the speed limit is 65? Pastor Scott, who sets it at 74 if it's 70 speed limit? Pastor Scott, is anybody guilty of that? That's breaking the law. You see how easy we break the law? It's just you go through all the ten, ten Commandments. We can see how we break each and every one of them. And the penalty for that, for us breaking the law, is eternal hell. But the gospel. Jesus paid that penalty for us. And that's why these are the two great doctrines of the Bible. So let's take a look at here. Another way to remember, by the way, before I get to that, law and gospel is I like this. SOS. Remember those letters SOS. So you think of the law. When we see the law, the law shows our sins. The gospel shows our Savior. So if you ever get your reading in the Bible, Law and gospel is in the Old Testament. Law and gospel is in the New Testament. Law and gospel is in every book of the Bible. Don't listen to people that say the Old Testament is law, the New Testament is gospel. Nope, it's all over. Because remember the crimson thread, it ties it all together. Jesus is all over the Old Testament. And so Luther even said, Somebody that can actually distinguish between law and gospel properly and well should receive a doctorate of theology. It's hard. It's hard to distinguish between law and gospel because it's important for us to have a nice balance. Because could, could you imagine if I did sermons every week that was just law? Fire and brimstone, baby! Every week, that's all you hear is the law. You'd get to feel pretty cruddy about yourself, wouldn't you? Now, on the other hand, if all I did was gospel, Jesus loves you. Oh, Jesus loves me. I'm doing great. There's nothing I do wrong. That's why there's got to be a nice little balance, right? We got to make you feel like a poor, miserable sinner every once in a while, right? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 22. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. 
Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So just like last week, if you were here last week and heard my message, here come the Pharisees again with another trick question for Jesus. And they're asking him, what is the greatest commandment? Now remember, they're not just talking about the Ten Commandments here. They're talking about all those commandments that they've added on to God's law. Because, you know, they had set it up to where they were really good people. Better than the common people. So they wanted to know what Jesus thought was the greatest commandment. And just like last week, Jesus answered this question brilliantly and with another mic drop. He summed it up into two. Love God and love neighbor. That's basically the Ten Commandments right there. The first three commandments deal with loving God. The last seven deal with loving our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus summed it up for us. Those are, that's the greatest commandment. Love God, love neighbor. It's as simple as that. But this command to love God and our neighbor is truly the doctrine of the law. Love God, love neighbor. And when we look at this law, it's always going to accuse us because of our sin. We never love as we should. In fact, the more we try to love our neighbor, the more we see maybe our laziness start to creep in, You know, I don't need to help him out. Somebody else will do it. You know, we are afraid to give and be generous because we might not have enough left over for ourselves. And so often we want to do good. We don't want to do good. Well, because we just don't want to. You know, we'd rather just kind of sit around. I'd rather just sit around in my big boy, lazy boy in my house which is at the recovery room right now being repaired because (laughs) I sit in it so much. But every time we are approached with a neighbor, remember, we're not just talking about the people that live next door to your house. Every time we're approached by a neighbor or, or, or God puts somebody in our life, it's as if Jesus is standing right in front of you giving you the opportunity to serve and bless him. And a lot of times we just drop the ball. And so no matter how hard we try to keep this law here, we just screw it up time and time again. By the way, law is not bad. The law is not bad. The law is good and it's tied to the gospel. And this is why Jesus came. He came to live the perfect life on our behalf. He loved God, loved neighbor perfectly on our behalf because we can't do it. And so now let's see the rest of this text here in Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 41. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, 
Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, And now Jesus is going to quote from the Old Testament. This is the stuff I love if you've heard me talk about it. This is crimson thread action. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. And remember, this is the week of Holy Week that these things are taking place. A couple days after this is when Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross. And they, they're going to give up now. They can't trick him with their questions. And now we can see in these verses, though, Jesus is turning the tables on them and asking them some questions, dealing with the Old Testament, which is what they like to talk about all the time, because that was the scriptures at the time. And they answer the first question correctly, right? They, he said, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. That's correct. Jesus is referred to as the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's at the beginning of Matthew. But this is what Jesus was called. So he's speaking their language. They know that answer. And then he quotes this psalm, Psalm 110, verse 1, that David, King David, wrote. And he said that. I just want to read it again because it's kind of a, a riddle of sorts. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So let's see if we can sort this out here. The key phrase is that first one there. The Lord says to my Lord. The first Lord there is God the Father. The my is David. And so who's that second Lord? The Son of God. And David's the one talking here. Even though Jesus is the son of David, David's calling this Lord, Lord. Does that make sense? So God the Father is talking to the Christ. You see that? But David calls the Christ his Lord. And so he asks, Jesus asks, fast forward now, these Pharisees, how can this be? A father would never refer to their son as their Lord. So why does David do it here? And what was the Pharisees' response? Crickets. They have nothing. And they walk away. But, how, but we do. You and I sitting here, we do know the answer to this riddle. How can the Christ be both the son of David and the son of God? 
Think about that for a second. The answer is just what we recited in the creed just a couple minutes ago. Because he is true God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, and also true man born of the Virgin Mary. He is David's son according to his human nature. He is the son of God according to his divine nature. And what we have here, brothers and sisters in Christ, is the gospel. Jesus is the one that came. He is the son of God. He is true man, true God, 100%. Both of them at the same time. How does that happen? I don't know, but it just does. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world, and he came for you. And it says there in Psalm 110, and Jesus quoted it, until I put your enemies under your feet. He's talking here to David and us. Who are these enemies? Well, it's sin, death, and the devil. All the stuff of this world, all the stuff that entangles each and every one of you in your daily life, whatever it may be, all that cancer that entangles people, all the sickness that entangles people, all the financial problems that entangles people, all the relationship problems that entangles us all, all of this stuff of this world has been put under our feet because of Jesus. Amen, indeed. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. Gospel means good news, by the way, of Jesus Christ. And this is the message that we get the opportunity to go out and share to people who are living under the law, not realizing there's a gospel, that Jesus already defeated all this crud because he loves us that much. And so that is the message of today. This is the two great doctrines of the Bible. The law, the law shows us that we just can't do it. But that doesn't mean we don't continue to work at it. We continue to do the things God expects us to do, how he expects us to act. But that's why Jesus came, because we do screw it up. Jesus, the Son of God, true man, true God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, came for each and every one of you, shed his blood on that cross. And because of that, you and I, and all those kids that just said a little bit ago, we are going to be with him in heaven forever. Amen. Let's pray.